and welcome to the Carney E. Free podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity for different ministry leaders and pastors to talk about different topics that could be happening within our church, within our community, and even around the world. My name is Justine Cheddar, and I am the Director of Community Engagement and the Storehouse at EFree. For today's episode, I am joined by our Student Ministries Pastor, Jordan Heinrichsen. For those of you who are not familiar with our church, we are in the middle of an all-church initiative that is helping us move from Sunday to every day, taking what we learn together at church on Sunday mornings and applying it to our everyday lives at work or school, in our homes, with our neighbors, and throughout our everyday rhythms. I am so excited to have Jordan share with us what it looks like for students to be loving the one from Sunday to every day in their schools. So Jordan, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so I want to start with sharing with the listeners a little bit about our own faith journeys as students. We both grew up in Christian homes. We had a faith foundation. Can you share some of the things that impacted you and you would say helped you not leave the faith? Yeah. Uh, so like you said, grew up in a Christian home. Um, when I was five, I can remember uh, asking Jesus to rescue me and to save me. But then I, I didn't understand the relationship, didn't understand the discipleship or being a follower of Jesus. I thought it was much more about, I just want to ask Jesus to rescue me so I don't go to hell when I die. Mm-hmm. And so then after that, I was very confused, especially when I got into middle school, high school, confused about what is the point of church now? Like, I thought it was just to convert people. And I was like, okay, I'm done. Like, why do, we, why do we still go to this? Why is this something still that I do? And so would attend church, but was really not engaged at all. And then when I was a high school senior, um, I had to come faith to face, face to face, <laughs> yes. not faith to faith, yeah. face to face with... Um, the reality that who I was who I was showing people that I was was not who I actually was mm. and began to really feel shame filled and guilty about that about I was telling people I was someone and I was actually somebody else and so then um, grace started to become more real to me mm. and I started to own my faith because I realized I needed Jesus I realized it wasn't just I needed him for when I died is I needed him today and every day. And so I started uh, reading the Bible on my own. I started listening to um, Christian music that was inspirational to me and would help me to remember what was important. Um, before that, I would listen to a lot of other stuff. And it's not that you can't listen to secular yeah, music or to what's not on my bridge radio or one of those other <laughs> yeah. places. But um, I realized how much music affects me. Mm. And it would affect the way that I felt, the way that I thought. And so I started to really filter what I listened to and and tried to be um, thoughtful about what it was I let influence me. And so when I was uh, a freshman in college, I I lived at home but commuted to Kearney to go to UNK. And so every morning I would listen to worship music on the 30 five minutes from Minden yeah. to Kearney, for really from the door of my house to the wherever I parked at the college. And that was really impactful to start my day that way. And so th- what that did was it made me convinced that this is what I needed in my life. Um, so then when I moved out the following summer, I just knew I had to find a church. I had to find a place to mm-hmm. go. I wasn't going to not go someplace on Sundays. And so I, I went to a different place, didn't connect there, came to Kearney E. Free, and 
I immediately loved it. I didn't know that churches played loud, fun music. Um, and so it was, it was great and got connected to the college ministry. Yeah. And ever since then, yeah. I've been plugged in. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, mine is a little different. So I would say one of the things that helped me not leave the faith and just always love the church was our probably middle school and high school ministry. Yeah. Because I was, um, same as you, I was four or five and I accepted Jesus into my heart. And had we had a strong kids ministry, of course, mm-hmm. going through, but middle school and high school was always pretty robust and active. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's interesting to hear there are just so many different things that can impact a student's faith yeah. journey. And that it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be if they're not here at yeah. a certain time. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not being impacted and growing. Yep. But at the same time, the other side is to be able to see how impactful middle school and high school youth group actually is. Yeah. So you are currently, like I said, the uh, high school and middle school pastor here. So do you want to tell us what you, how you got started in it, why you're passionate about it, what your greatest desire for students is? Yeah. Uh, so... A couple of reasons. So one, I, I've always enjoyed, uh, kids always enjoyed students, that when we would be at family gatherings, I always gravitated towards uh, playing games with the kids as opposed to sitting with the adults and yeah. talking at tables. <laughs> yeah. so I was like, I, I'm going to go play yeah. soccer or baseball or make up some game. I'm not going to sit here and have conversations about family members I don't know. <laughs> and, yes. and so... Um, I was in college and was studying family studies and was thinking about doing something family related and was serving here at the church and going, man, I I think that I, I think that I want to be in ministry, Mm -hmm. that I think God's saying, this is something I've wired you to do. And I volunteered a lot of different places at the church during that time. And I also had this desire to give kids what you had, because yeah. I didn't have that. Yeah. Um, when I was in middle school, there was probably two or three other guys that were close to me um, it, in my age range. And so there was one other guy that I got along with. And so if he wasn't going to go to youth group, I wasn't going to go. And then we got into high school and I went to C, uh, FCA, which was really good. Um, but it, for me, it was probably, especially in the beginning, um, it was just about a social thing. It wasn't about growing at all. Yeah. And so I, I wanted kids to have what I didn't have. I wanted them to have an, a place that they enjoyed coming, where they could grow, where they would be encouraged to own their faith um, and not have it be mom and dad's faith, not have it be my faith, but have it be their faith and help them to connect. Why is it that Jesus is so important? That it's not just about when you die, but it's about how you live every day. Yeah. And so I the, there's a position that opened at the church and it was to do uh, children's ministry for elementary and then middle school ministry for fifth and sixth and then seventh and eighth grade. We had split them apart at the time. And I was like, I, I think I could do this. And so applied and got the job and really uh, have enjoyed getting to do that ever since. Yeah. And then um, four years ago, the high school position opened. And so I traded hats for, from elementary Sunday school to high school ministry. So I, I've just want to see kids own their faith, want to see kids love Jesus and understand how that faith impacts every day of their life, not just Wednesdays or Sundays, but every day. 
Okay, so we should flashback quick for yeah. our listeners. Do you remember? So you say you volunteered at a lot of places. Do you remember we did Summer VBS? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. So wait, so wait, are you days. talking about summer VBS? Yesterday you're talking about summer Sunday school when I was oh, Bones the Pirate. Sunday school. Yes. You're right. It was Sunday school, not VBS. Yes. The pirate. Yeah, yes. we had a pirate theme. That was so fun. And so, yeah. <sighs> yeah. You acted. And I did. I think we all did like all that fun yep. stuff. We decorated the whole basement like yep. a pirate ship. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was, that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but it's cool. That was so fun. So. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. I just remembered when you were talking about that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Who would have thought? Okay. So we, the purpose of our conversation today, so taking everything we just talked about, we are with Sunday to Every Day really encouraging our body to live on mission from um, wherever they may be. So we're giving them the option. We said work or school because likely, so like for mm-hmm. our middle school and high school students and then younger kids, of course, they likely are doing school. Maybe mm-hmm. some work a little bit, but that's kind of their version. So I wanted to talk through um, what this looks like for our students. So when yep. we're saying things like love the one and mm-hmm. everyday rhythms and your school, live on mission in your school, I also know um, they've got kind of some big obstacles. Yeah. And so we want to be aware of, so as we're having this conversation with Sunday to Everyday, the greater conversation, what, give us a good picture for this next little while. Give us a good picture of what our students are dealing with, what it looks like to live on mission, how can we help them? Yeah. That's a big thing. Like, what can we yep. be doing to come along beside our students and saying, hey, we're telling you to love the one. What does yeah. that even look like? What can we yep. do? Start with the obstacles. Okay. What are you saying that students are facing right now? Yes. So before I launch yeah. into this, I want to give it a disclaimer. So my disclaimer is that this is not meant to be an attack on any of our area schools or parents. This is just what I'm noticing from the conversations that I have with students. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this is not like me yeah. running, wanting to rant against the yeah. machine or the man or whatever. Yeah. But this is just what I'm noticing yeah. uh, when I talk with students. Yeah. When I saw your disclaimer, I was thinking what it does for us is it says, okay, here's reality. So how can we help? Yeah. It doesn't say this is wrong. This is bad. You need a change thing. It's like, hey, here's what's going on. Yeah. This is how we can help. Let's yep. be aware. So, okay, good. That's good disclaimer. So with that said, yeah. uh, busyness is the biggest thing. Uh, yeah. Busyness, uh, mm-hmm. especially for uh, high school students. It's it is crazy the schedules that they have now. Um, so if you are so this is the fall schedule. So mm-hmm. if you are a member of the band, and there's a lot of them that are in the band. You are expected to be on the field and ready at 6:30 a.m. That you are ready to go at 6:30 a.m., which means you're probably getting up at 5:30, um, maybe shorter than that if you're a girl who wants to be yeah. ready to go yeah. and maybe later than that if you're a guy who doesn't care what your hair looks like yeah. and you just want 15 more minutes of sleep <laughs> yeah. but 6 30 to 8 they're basically on the field practicing their band formations and their steps and all of their movements and that kind of stuff and then they go to school from 8 to 4 but they are in school and some of them are t- taking classes uh, that are easier. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are not. Some of them are taking classes they're not super interested in, and they, they had to fill their schedule. And then some of them are taking college courses. Right. As, as yeah. juniors, they're taking college courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe as sophomores, they're taking advanced courses. And so it's not just like they're going and they're painting or doing woodworking or mm-hmm. just filling the time. They're, they're taking challenging classes a lot of the time. And then 
if they're in an after-school activity, um, so let's say cross-country, there's a lot of cross-country runners we have in youth group, or if they play football or volleyball or softball, uh, they're going from 4 o'clock to probably 6.30, 7. If they're a captain, maybe later. Mm, um, true. Yeah, leaders. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking from 6.30 in the morning to 6.30 in the evening, 12 straight hours, they have something. And then they go home, maybe have dinner from 7 to 8, mm-hmm. and then they have to tackle homework, which again is probably high-level homework from 8 to, if they're lucky, 10, get it done. And then if they are very self-disciplined, they go to bed at 10, 15. Um, but most of them, I would say most of us, are yeah. not very self-disciplined. And awesome. so it's easy to spend an hour on social media and go to bed at 11, 11.30, and they have to be back up at 5.30. And that's their schedule from Monday through Friday. Hmm. And then on Fridays... Uh, if there's a home football game, they're playing in the band. If there's not a home football game, they have the night off. But usually the band has got something every single Saturday through the fall. Right. Um, they're in some sort of marching competition somewhere doing something. Um, so it, And this is not also including games they have if they're in games or cross-country meets. or And then in Kearney, we're Class A. And so they're traveling to the metro area a lot of the time. So you're in the van or you're on a bus for two and a half hours to get to Omaha and then two and a half hours back. So you might be spending five more hours and then you're missing school. That's so true. then you're having to yeah. make up schoolwork. And so it's, it's yeah. a lot. Like when I, when I just go through that, I go, oh man, I'm tired just t- like telling them what their schedule is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's if they're in one activity. And most of them are not just in one activity. Most of them are in multiple activities. They're in band and a sport, or they're in a sport and in theater, or in sport and a club, or they're in some organization that they want to have on their resume. And so they, they have a lot of things going on. Now, the flip side of that is they have a lot of connections. So they, they have a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. um, to sit next to someone on the bus and yeah. to do Sunday to every day by having a, a deeper conversation with someone on the bus, mm-hmm. or I'm connecting with someone through a club they wouldn't otherwise connect with at church. And so they have opportunities and places where they have natural conversations that they can use uh, to, to show people God's love through those kind of avenues. Yeah, that's a great thought. And so other obstacles they face after business is social media. Um, if, if you are connected to a teenager in some way, shape, or form, you, you probably know social media is, a, is an issue for them. Um, so addiction's a big deal for them with social media. Like I, I thought that they would not admit that they're addicted, and so probably uh, two or three years ago, I was going to challenge them to just not use their phones for, uh, use it for calling or texting, but not use social media or games, those things, for, I think it was just 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I was encouraging them to just say, turn it off for 24 hours, mm-hmm. put it down for 24 hours. And I said, I know that you're going to tell me you're not addicted. And then I didn't get even the rest of the sentence out. They're like, no, we're addicted. Like, we know. Oh, interesting. Like, they didn't argue. They didn't. They knew that I, I'm dependent on this device hmm. to be connected to my friends. Um, at that time, I don't know if it's still as big of a deal, but at that time, um, there was a thing called Snap Streaks, which okay. was a big deal. And so it's you go back and forth, and you the number of days in a row that you do it. And there was one of the people that had this uh, streak going with an ex. I think it was boyfriend. And she continued to talk to him because she did not want the streak to end. And so I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is crazy. But this is their world. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is what they deal with. And yeah. so this is 
creates social anxiety for them. It creates yeah. this, like, if I let this thing go, it seems like it's a huge deal. Right. And, and so it's this thing that they, they have anxiety over and they stress about. Right. I mean, unless we judge, we... Yeah had what were those little thing called that we had to keep alive yeah the, i mean uh not peak I mean, at, peak no there was no. a few of them okay. um there was oh <laughs> yeah what were they? yes but there were these little yeah yeah those, fake animals yes that, that you had, had to, to feed alive. and do yeah. and then yeah if you're a little bit younger than us you might have had farmville or something yeah. that you had to do <laughs> yes, so it, it's not like it's necessarily new it is different but it's different it's different and but it, yeah um, yeah, we totally lived that world, not yeah. being able to go to sleep because that's stupid. <laughs> it's yes. ridiculous now. But, but it's good to remember. I mean, this is not, yeah, again, yeah. there's no, yeah, let's not sit here and think, yeah. oh, they should just be able to put their phones away. Everyone has yeah. their. Well, and, and if we're honest, like we struggle with it. Oh, like, absolutely. I, I have 100%. to watch my social media yes. um, usage yes. because I can easily fall into the same traps they do. And so, and if I'm an adult who is fully formed um, brain-wise and isn't filled with hormones and everything they're going through right now, like how much more difficult is it for them in the midst of all that? Yeah, and we also didn't grow up with it. No. Which is the big kicker as well. Because we, I mean, we didn't, social media wasn't a thing until we were, I mean, UNK got Facebook when we were sophomores in college. So, and that was very, very different. That was yeah. just college-wide. So yep. it is, yeah, there is the reality of we do have to help them. If we are raising these kids with all of this in the middle of it, we have to help them manage it. Yep. Okay, that's interesting that they would, they freely would say, yes, it's yep. called an addiction, considered an addiction, feels like an addiction. Yep. Okay. And, and with that, it's not just that they are, I have to be on this. But it's this thing that while they're on it, it is like mentally hurting them. So what they see is everybody else is perfect and I'm not. Um, What they see is everybody else gets to chase their dreams and I don't. That that it's very easy for, um, so Instagram does this thing that if you click on a certain picture, it'll be like, oh, you like that picture. I'll give you more of that picture. Oh, right. And so if you like an influencer, it's going to show you more influencers. And it makes you feel like my feed is full of influencers or or people that are showing people this is what you should wear. This is what you should do. This is where you should travel to. And what it does is goes everybody else is getting to chase their dreams. Everybody else is getting to live their best life or their perfect life. And I'm stuck in high school or I'm stuck not knowing what to do. And I'm a mess. Um, It affects their body image. Um, So people, again, they Photoshop. They twist and bend and do whatever they have to do to get a non-realistic photo. But then we compare realistic bodies to non-realistic photos and it creates issues, which then leads to depression and anxiety because they feel like my world world is crumbling and I, I can't get what these people have and I don't know what to do. And I'm afraid to show me the real me because are people going to reject me? And the real me isn't, isn't necessarily a mess. It's just real. Yeah, right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then it can disconnect from reality because they think the Instagram world is the real world, and it's yeah. not. And and we can say to ourselves, I know it's not the real world, but in the moment when you're looking at the photos, there's something in your brain that's saying something's wrong with my world because it's not this world. Yeah, absolutely. And so being able to pause and go, this world isn't – like the Instagram thing isn't real. Um, but hmm. again – they're middle school, high school students that are wrestling with how do I handle all of this? 
Um, and so that's something that they're dealing with on a day in, day out basis, sometimes hour by hour basis, which can make them very self-focused, which then makes it hard to reach out to other people because I'm focused on me because I'm yeah. worried about, am I a mess? Am I going to totally. be able to fix my life? Am I going to be able to uh, move on with life? What's the rest of my life going to be? Yeah, absolutely. Right. At an age when you already are probably pretty self-focused just yeah. by developmentally, that's just the way it is Yeah. to think that the self-focus is maybe a little different than what ours was. So yeah. The self-focus is all about not enough, and here's how I don't measure yeah. up. So then just the little bit, you're not even done with your list, but just yeah. a little bit of social media and thinking how I use it. And exactly to your point, we struggle with it as well and need to put it down. Their schedule, like just the one example of schedule to think in every – so the thing I see, that schedule you just went through, I'm thinking every margin – of downtime is likely filled with some sort of media whether it doesn't just have to be social media some sort of on their phone connectivity um probably over connectivity at this point but i just think they have to be doing this in their their margin in their downtime yep so like losing the time of kind of refocusing and be like, okay, I just need a minute of silence. I need a minute of whatever before I go on to school, before I go on to my after school activity, before I go on to dinner. I mean, like, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. Okay, keep going because um, <laughs> we're not done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then there's this pressure on grades and the choice uh, of the school and career. So I, I remember when I was uh, in high school, I don't really remember if I started thinking about it in depth until I was maybe a junior. Yeah, junior year was like the year. Was when it was like, okay, I have to choose a school. Yeah. I have to choose kind of a career. And and now and but I didn't feel like if I chose the wrong school, my life was gonna be over. Totally. Or if I chose the wrong career, my life was gonna be over. But it it feels like now, like kids um are they're just crushed under this choice of what school do I go to. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems as I have conversations with them that they are convinced that if I choose the wrong college, then the rest of my life is going to be done. Wow, that if I go to UNL and hmm. I was supposed to go to UNK, then I'm not going to get the right career. If I get the wrong, wrong career, I'm going to be stuck in a job I don't like, or I'm going to be stuck in some situation I don't like, and I'm going to end up miserable the rest of my life. And so I have to pick, I have to pick the right school otherwise. And so man, kids will agonize over the school they're going to go to for months huh. um and and then they're agonized over their career that i i don't mean it to be this like when i ask them like do you know what you want to do i i don't mean it to be this like tell me right now like this is the biggest decision totally. of your life yeah but they feel like this is the biggest decision of my life and i, I always try to tell them you know i didn't know anybody besides teachers that didn't change their career oh like, absolutely like yeah. teachers were the only the yeah. only kind of group that I knew, mm-hmm. and I felt like it was because they had been in school. So they knew what teaching was like. They knew what to expect. But everybody else, including myself, I went saying, I'm going to do this. Yep. And some people, it was a semester in. Some people, it was two semesters. Sometimes it was two years. And they go, no, nah, this is actually not what I want to do and switch. And there's a lot of flexibility in, yeah. in college. There's a lot of um, – I don't think I wasted any of – my credits changing and it was fine and God took care of me. And so that's what I try to, to tell them. God's going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. 
like God, God is working in this situation. And so um, what I try to tell them when I encourage them to choose a school is worry less about where you're going to go and worry more about who you're going to be. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. that you can go to any school and you're, you're going to be just fine. That um, outside of if you have the opportunity to go to Harvard or Princeton <laughs> or some right. Ivy League school, which we have some kids once yeah. in a while that do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but if you're choosing probably between UNK and UNL yeah. or, or some other area college, you're probably just going to be fine. Like you're, you're in, in my opinion, so some people might disagree, which is okay. But my opinion, I think you're going to get just as good of an education at any of those places. Mm-hmm. And you're just as likely to get a job at any of those places. And so it's, yeah. it's not going to be the end of your life if you choose to go to UNK and you find out when you're done, man, I would have been better off at UNL. Oh, I, I think it's going to be fine. So I try to relieve some of that pressure on them. But they have this constant pressure of, I, I have to, like so many of them, take college courses as juniors. Yeah. And I, I couldn't have done it. Like, I, went, I was not prepared to take college courses when I was a junior. I took one when I was a senior. And it was because my English professor, my English teacher was like, this is going to be the class either way. And oh, so yes. you should take it for credit. Yes, for sure, for credit. Um, yeah. And, but yeah. otherwise... I can't think of anyone. I mean, when we were in high school, I took same thing. When I got to a senior, I was like, well, the AP level or whatever is going to yeah. be about the same thing. So I took a couple credits as well, but that was not the norm. And yeah. that was not about pressure. That was yeah. just about like I had gotten everything I needed and yeah. I knew what I I knew I wanted to go into family studies, so I was yeah. like I'm going to get a couple done. Yeah. That, yeah, that's crazy. Where do you think that's coming from, the pressure? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think where, – where is that coming from? Because I'll be honest, I was, I was surprised to see this one on your list. From the very, very outside perspective, yeah. I feel like now the thing is you don't have to go to college. You can do whatever you want. So it's, and that's probably a little bit more on the like college end of things. So it's interesting to me that we've got, before they get to that stage, there's all this pressure. And then for some odd reason, on the other side, more the college and or end of college kids are like, oh, I can do whatever I want. I don't need to know. Because, yeah. like, what is the disconnect? Um, that's a good question. I just wonder... So I wonder I wonder if it's more the general level of stress that high school students have now mm. is higher than the general level of stress and so decisions feel bigger and they feel more difficult. Oh, totally. Every like yeah. every decision feels more like cuz when you're stressed, yeah. choosing where you're going to eat lunch feels like a mountain. Absolutely. And if you're not stressed, it's like, well, I, can, I have the Olive Carney to go eat at. It's not a big deal. I can just go to any of these places. It's just totally. food. And if I show up and it's busy, I go to a different one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the margin, it's probably with the margin. I think I think that's some of it. Yeah. I think um, I think some of it is, is um, scholarship related of some of the places that you – going to apply to get a scholarship and so they have to decide okay where am I going to go to try and get this scholarship um that they they can kind of apply to multiple places uh so I this is a guess yeah of course um I I went to a talk and the guy was talking about how 
the current students that are going into college, um, a lot of their families uh, went through the recession. Okay. And, and they lost a lot of their college funds in the recession. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, a bigger, so uh, the stereotype, because we're millennials, the stereotype yeah. is our parents were baby boomers right. and we're laid back and we're like, well, you go wherever you want, I'll pay, pay for it, I'll take care of it. And that probably was not our situations. <laughs> yes, But correct. that's the stereotype <laughs> is that our baby boomer parents yep. said we can go wherever we want and do whatever we want and be whoever we want. Mm, and um, and now then what happened is the millennials, we got out of college and we were told we can do whatever we want. And so we go to do whatever we wanted. And people said, well, you're not special. And we go, we're not special. I've been told I've been special my entire life. Like I'm special. And so I think it's the pendulum swinging the other way okay. of going, you need to figure this out because when you graduate college, there's not a job guaranteed for you. That when you graduate, we were told, oh, when you just go to college, you're going to get a great job. You're going to get a great career. You're going to have tons of money. It's going to be great. And so come to my school, and I'm going to make that happen for you. Absolutely. And so I think the pendulum has swung the other way because people are going, that's not happening. Like people are graduating, and they they went into a field where it was there's a, a surplus, and it was flooded, and not everybody got a job. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I think mm-hmm. that there's this pendulum swing to you got to make the right choice. Because if you make the wrong choice and you get out into a flooded field, you're going to be doing something else that you got to figure out on top of how am I going to pay back my student loans because my parents are not able to help. How am I going to pay those back? And then what you hear from millennials also is a lot of them, I think in cities more than our, our context, are not able to buy houses, not able to start families, and they're trying to figure out all these things, how to eat avocado toast. And... <laughs> So I, th- I think the pendulum swung the other way. Again, this is a guess, but I think it swung the other way. Yeah. And I could see that. So yeah. they're, they're being much more deliberative about choices yeah. because they don't want to graduate and not have a job mm-hmm. and not have a way to pay back student loans and move back in with mom and dad. Yeah. And that's an interesting thought then because that is the stereotypical millennial, right? Yeah. They didn't get their stuff together and now they're moving back in. Yeah. And so if if they're watching maybe older sibs or whatever and they're going, well, well we don't want to be like that. So yeah. I have all this unspoken pressure to figure it out now and not screw this up. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So pressure, a ton of pressure to perform, to not mess up, to make the right choices, lifelong choices, which in our mind is not lifelong. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing that I want to probably address is just activities and sports. Yeah. That um, when I I played sports, uh, it was you played that activity during that season and that was it. Yeah. Um, so baseball was from, you know, the end of April, beginning of May until the end of June. And that was it. And that's when you played baseball. And then you had a break and then you would play football in – the end of August, beginning, middle August, whatever, until September, October. Yeah. Um, and then you go on to basketball. And, and there was – basketball was maybe the one thing that people had travel teams. Um, oh, okay. And I was from a small school, a small town. And so maybe it was a small town thing, and maybe Carney's always been this way. But now, um, for most of the, the baseball guys, um, baseball starts in January, and they do throwing and stuff inside and hitting – and it goes uh, from January to, you know, September, October, if they fall, play fall baseball, that it goes 
and and for high school students, um, if they're they're not doing some of those other activities, they might do throwing and hitting or stuff. But then they started this week, I think, as they they started for school, and they'll go up through May, uh, the middle of May, I think, is when it was, maybe the end of May, and then they'll go straight into Legion baseball, which will go all the way almost to August, yeah. and then. Um, then some of them will pay fall, pay fall baseball. Yeah. And so some of them are doing multiple activities. Um, some of them are training with a trainer uh, mm-hmm. that I talked to an eighth grade boy who has a trainer that he's uh, trying to just get better so he can play high school and high school. And it, so it, it's a thing where um, sports have become much more than you sign up get checked out at uniform, you practice, and then you may get to play some. Yeah, right. And so now it's this, it's this bigger ordeal where um, for some seasons you're in Omaha every weekend or you're in Kansas City or you're in Denver or you're in York or you're someplace almost every weekend. And it, it's just a, a bigger deal. And that's not the story for every family. Right. Um, yeah. But for a lot of families, that's the story, which means it's hard to – to connect with people outside of your baseball like there's still an opportunity yeah. through other parents on the teams through other mm-hmm. kids on the team to make those mm-hmm. uh love the one connections mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot yeah right so we wonder where the pressure to perform comes from i mean yeah. all of that is wrapped it so it, the, this entire picture of their obstacles tends seems like it's wrapped in pressure to perform and operate at their peak i mean i feel like we're at the stage where it's the focus is eliminate slow down have family dinners and then you're going well but we're sending mixed messages because we're raising our students to not only be set up for this constant drive but we're also inadvertently encouraging it yeah i think so and i and i'm saying that as a parent and even though Brigham is only six we did just sign him up for t-ball yeah and so I mean we already are having that discussion of where what is our line because we will I I mean tell me obviously if you disagree but I feel like I want to parent with the mindset of my middle school and high schooler are very soon going to be adults so I want to teach them how to be good adults with healthy boundaries and good margin and a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. That it's something that we struggle with as adults to say no yeah. to things Yeah, because there's so many opportunities to do everything. There's so many opportunities. Yeah. So I, I talk with my wife, Abby, and I say, man, what are we going to do when Liam has his own schedule? Yeah. Because Absolutely. right now I feel like our weekends are already pretty full yeah. without him having his own things. Yeah. And, and, not wanting to just say, well, you just can't do things because yeah. uh, that's not a r- reality. Um, but some of the things that I appreciate most are, um, I know there's some kids that their parents say you can do one activity at a time. Right. So you choose yep. the one activity, mm-hmm. um, but you do the one activity. And sometimes mom and dad will, will coach them a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you get to do one activity and, mm-hmm. and I, I think those kids, I see them, they seem less stressed. Yeah, that's they, good. They seem like they have more um, margin. And and so I think having 
conversations with kids going, what, what's important? Yeah. Um, yeah and absolutely. what's important is your emotional health, your spiritual health, yeah. our family health. Mm-hmm. What, what can we do to um, maintain that while also giving you some opportunities to do some other things? Yeah. And um, working, working through that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they, like one of the things about Carney is because it's large, you have a ton of opportunities to do things that Minden didn't have a robotics club. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't have yeah. some of these clubs and activities and things mm-hmm. that Carney has because they're larger. They have more ability to be specialized and to do yeah. those kind of certain things. So Yeah, and I mean, that's true. The opportunities that come at you constantly, because we at Brigham is in 4-H, and we just do, well, we grew up just doing fair. Like, literally, it's just the week of fair. <clears throat> but now, throughout the entire year, the emails don't stop with, all these STEAM activities and different things like you start now to make projects for state fair. And I'm like, whoa, we literally did. I mean, we did a little bit the week of fair and we were excited when our furniture got to state fair. That was it. Like that was it. Yeah. You made furniture? Well, we were furnished. Yeah. Oh, we furnished it. Awesome. Yeah. Impressive. (laughs) That's still a skill that still you continue to use today. Oh, for sure. There we go. But the point is, you're totally right. Everything, it feels like everything has melded from seasonal, situational, time specific to now we can't do things good enough. We have to like spend our entire year on it. Yeah. Okay. So... You mentioned a couple things. I love how you brought back, yes, these are obstacles, but the other element is they are so interconnected. Mm -hmm. And so then we do get to say things like, well, if you're on baseball, if you're on a team, you're living kind of your whole year with these people. So how can you put some purpose to it? I want to go now to this direction of, we're telling students, we want you to live life on mission. We're leading them in this way. What would you say is their greatest need for being able to start doing this? Like l- truly living life on mission. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's go on to the, the good things. Yeah, because absolutely. I don't want this to be a doom and gloom because it, it's not <laughs> it a doom like and gloom. <laughs> uh, they have a lot of obstacles, but they have a lot of opportunities. So oh, yeah. some of the, the greatest needs they have, the biggest one is models. They need people to show them how to do it. Yeah. They need people to say, watch me as – we do this so as mom or dad. Let me show you how we're going to welcome people into our home. Okay. Let me show you how we're going to be on mission together. Let me show you how we are going to engage with our neighbors and we're going to learn their names. Yeah. And we are going to serve them, whether it's by picking up their trash can when I noticed that their trash can blew over. Absolutely. Or whether it's by um, checking in on them and going, hey, I haven't seen you outside in, you know, a week. Are you okay? I just want to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. Um, or when it, snows helping to shovel their walk and going you know our neighbor is fully capable of shoveling her walk but we don't want her to have to do that you know we're we have high school boys or we have middle school boys we're going to get out there we're going to shovel our walk and their walk um that those are opportunities to uh, show them how to live on mission show them how to love their neighbors and we just need those kind of models because uh, if they don't have those kind of models, then when we talk about it in church, it's pretty foreign. And it goes, well, this isn't really what our family does. And so, and my family's a Christian, so do Christians really do this? Mm-hmm. And it, and it's never intentional. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, parents, I know parents don't cross their arms, because I don't cross my arms and go, well, I'm not going to 
do that because I don't want my kids to think they should love their neighbors. It's never that. It's that we get busy. Like we talked about all these <laughs> things. Yep. And so I, we're, man, I'm worried about my, my business and my stuff. Yep. And I don't think about my neighbor and their stuff. And so uh, when we have models who do this for us and models who show it, because you think about people's stories, they usually have a model. They had someone who, whether it was a coach or a parent, somebody showed them a different way and that impacted them. Uh, so my my moment that I think still resonates with me the most when it comes to hospitality is we had some people, our, our basement uh, flooded, the sewer backed up, and so it was getting fixed. And we had just sat down to dinner, and this the guy who was fixing it came in the door, and he we asked him how he was doing. He said, I'm doing okay. I've been running everywhere all day. It's just been a crazy day. And my dad said, well, why don't you sit down and eat dinner with us? Oh. And he was like, yeah, I can do that. And he sat down and ate dinner with us. Uh, and that, w- that has continued to impact me to go, man, this is how we show hospitality to strangers. Mm, that we have this connection. They're in our home. And so when I've had people come to work, I've, I'm not perfect at it, but right. whether whatever it is they're doing, trying to say, hey, do you need to use the bathroom? Um, do you, do you yeah. need a drink? Do you need water? What is, is there anything... Um, if we are eating dinner, whether they're, do you want to join us for dinner? Um, that it, it made this impact on me. It was a model for me of you can invite some stranger to have dinner with yeah. you <laughs> yeah, uh, while they're in your home. Mm-hmm. And so having a model of saying, let me show you. Uh, the next thing they need is other students on mission that I, because of uh, all the things that students deal with, because like you said, we were self-conscious as students, and we didn't have people that have cameras in their pockets all the time. Oh, absolutely. That if we did something dumb, they could yep. film it and then put it on the, the the secret school Snapchat or Instagram or whatever it is for people to laugh at, at for forever. Uh, yeah. um, totally. and, and so students are nervous about, I don't want to look silly. I don't want people mm-hmm. to make fun of me. And that's fair. Um but they need other students who will be bold and say, let's do this together. That I, I don't want to do this alone. Let's do this with me. Let's, you're in this class with me. You go to youth group with me. I know you love Jesus. Let's ask those kids to sit with us at our lunch table. Let's, that person we know is having a bad day. Let's be willing to say, hey, are you okay? Um, and, and I think students do those kind of things. Um, but wanting to see them on a, a greater, more intentional level begin to live out their faith Mm-hmm. Um, and the school has a be kind initiative, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but going beyond that to say, I'm not just yeah. being kind because the school told me to. I'm yeah. being kind because my God is kind. Yeah. I'm being kind because Jesus has been kind to me, and so I want to reflect that to you. Mm-hmm. And so having other students that are with them on mission, um, it makes them feel not alone. It makes them feel like, okay, I have community that is not going to leave if I do this. And people go, man, why are you being nice to people? Which is a weird thing to be worried about, that people are going to be like, why are you nice to those people? Um, but I think kids are nervous about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's that age. Because I remember that even when we were that age. Like, just, I don't know. It wasn't cool to be nice to the underdog. Or whatever, yeah. Which is dumb. Yeah. And then uh, a willingness to be to take a risk, to look silly or be awkward. And so I remember I asked them uh, this question at youth group a while back. I said, uh, when you're standing in the lunch line and you're not by your friends, would you, if the person in front of you or behind you said, started to talk to you and asked you about your day, would you talk with them? And they said, oh, yeah, I would love to talk with them. I, I don't want to just stand there. And I said, 
okay, would you talk to the person in front or behind you? They said, oh, no, I'm not going to talk to them. And I was like, I won't start the conversation is, yeah. is what they were saying. Yeah. I was like, so everybody in this room, you just raised your hand and said, I would talk with the person in front of you behind me. Right. But you also said no one's going to start the conversation. Everyone's afraid to be awkward. Everyone's right. afraid that they're going to say, well, I'm not going to talk to you. But we just all admitted we want to talk to the person in front or behind us. And yeah. so th- there's this fear that holds all of them from making new friends or from showing kindness or from loving the one. And they have to just take that next step to say, hey, my name is Jordan. Right. What's your Absolutely, name? Yeah. What it. grade are you in? Hmm. And so if they just had the willingness to take the risk and say, I'm, I'm going to start the conversation. And the person might go, why are you talking to me? But I, I want to talk to you. So I'm going to keep this conversation going. Yeah. So just a note on that. Yeah. Two of my good friends still to this day, we met we are both all three of us were new students to the school as freshmen yeah and we met standing in line for registration or whatever that was yeah it's awesome i mean i remember i remember what they were wearing yeah <laughs> we met standing in line that's awesome we're still friends this day very cool i mean that's just that is the simplicity of what we're talking about it's about saying hi about willingness to risk that was a good that was a really good mention when you said that they have the fear of everyone has a camera in their pocket. So this last thing that you just said about being willing to take a risk, look silly or be awkward, I never thought of that. Yeah. They have to fight the fear that their silliness and awkward might be broadcast to yeah. the world. Because like every day somebody goes viral for doing something silly. Absolutely. And they go, I yeah. don't want to, I want to be viral, but I don't want to be viral for that. Yeah. I, I want to be viral because I'm hilarious and funny yeah. and people want to be my friend, not because yeah. I fell in a koi pond. <laughs> Michael yes, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, that's great insight. That's really good insight, Jordan. I hadn't thought of that. but Okay, so models, people to do it with them, and then just a pure courage, a pure yeah. boldness. That's and, and, awesome. And I think if they have those things, it will overcome all the obstacles. I agree. Because they yeah. have the opportunity. Even with all the obstacles they have, they have the opportunity Absolutely. to love the one. Yeah. And just a note on that models thing. You were right. You were just right on when you said that about, okay, so as a parent, I'm hearing that saying, in our busyness, I want to be modeling to our kids. What, living life on mission does not require us to stop everything. It requires us to be intentional and purposeful with what we have been given. And if you want to talk about it that way, our students are sitting and they have been given so much. They've been given peers that are feeling a, enormous amounts of pressure. They've been given um, a direct connection with coaches and teachers and um, maintenance workers. I mean, mm-hmm. When you start, when you when you change the mindset a little bit and say, okay, yes, you've got a lot of obstacles, but look at your opportunities. Yep. They are massive. Yep. Okay, so in line with, we, this is kind of what they need. This is what will help them overcome their obstacles. We have talked a lot about, on the, the Sunday to Everyday podcast, we've talked a lot about spiritual disciplines yep. because I do think that is such an important, that's such an important uh, foundation for everything that we talk about living life on mission, we have to be starting with where are we plugging in so that we're yep. pouring out. Absolutely. Talk to me about what spiritual disciplines look like for our students. Yeah. So you're absolutely right that, so we talk about 
their identity is constantly being attacked by the different things that they're around in in their cultures, in their society. And so we need to every single day remind ourselves, what is our real identity? My identity is in Christ, that I'm united with him, Mm -hmm. that God sees me through him, that it's not just what people see, it's what God sees, that my value comes from him, that he says you were worth dying for, and that I am going to um, be with you always. I'm not going to forsake you or leave you. Your friends might leave, but I'm uh, not going to leave. Absolutely. And yeah. so knowing you, I have a relationship that will never end. I have a relationship where they, he will never abandon me. He will never turn his back on me. Um, and so you connect. we connect with that through spiritual disciplines. And so we, we constantly are wanting to instill these in students because we want them to own their faith. Yeah. And they can own their faith through spiritual disciplines of saying, okay, I'm not going to just um, grow from Adrian's messages on Sunday morning. I'm yeah. not just going to grow from Jordan's messages on Sunday night. I'm not just going to grow from the things my parents might say to me. I'm going to grow because I'm going to open the Bible, and I'm going to wrestle with it, and I'm going to try and learn and know that, like everything else in life, we start off, and we're not very good at it. Yeah, And absolutely. as we continue to do it, we get better and better. Yeah. And it's hard, and it's difficult, but that didn't stop us from walking. Yeah, didn't stop absolutely. us from playing the sports that we play. Yeah. Didn't stop us from learning some of the things that we've learned. Mm-hmm. That rarely in life is there something that we go, oh, I'm amazing and great at this right away. Yeah. And so I'll continue to do this. Most of the time we go, I see the value in this. And so I'm going to continue to do it. And so we, I try to help them see the value mm-hmm. in That's spiritual good. disciplines. Yeah. So we encourage them uh, to read the Bible. We uh, we have a thing called growth group that uh, a few of the students are involved, not a, a ton of them. Um, because again, they're busy, and so yeah, getting them uh, is is hard. And so our, but the by idea the idea behind that is we use the church's Bible reading plan, and we just get together once a month and talk about what it is they read, try to answer questions, help them to find answers to the things that they were wondering about, so that they have an an avenue to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's been a couple of different things that have come out that said, okay, if you these are th- four markers that if your students have these four markers. They have a much higher aptitude or much higher, uh, aptitude's not the right word. Um, they have a much higher chance of remaining in the faith when they leave and go off to college. Okay. And so one is reading the Bible on their own. Okay. Um, praying on their own. Hmm. Uh, serving, okay. uh, either on mission trip or weekly service opportunities. Okay. And then listening to worship music or listening to Christian music. That Those are the four things that if they're, those things are part of their life, on a regular basis, um, they, there's a strong chance that they are going to continue in the faith. And I, I think it's because they're owning their faith. Yeah. That they have a relationship yeah. with Jesus. Absolutely. And so, and it's not because mom and dad are telling them to have the relationship. Yeah. It's because they have the relationship. So that when they go, even though mom and dad doesn't go, Jesus goes with them. Yeah, totally. A- and so, um, we, so we try to encourage those four things. So a lot of times my applications revolve around those four things um, of saying, hey, we got to read the Bible. We yeah. have to try and make a time. Or we, we have amazing uh, apps that will read the Bible to you. Absolutely. And so, yeah. so take 10 minutes and let, the, let this person read you the Bible yeah. while you just lay in your bed or you get alone. Um, that we need to talk to God. And, and it's great if we do that when we wake up. It's great when we do that when we go to bed. But God wants to talk to us throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just have to be SOS prayers of, um, God, I really need help on this test. But it can be, God, would you help me to do what you want me to do? So like right now, I don't really want to be nice to this kid that's annoying me in class. But I know that you call me to love him even though he's annoying. So would you help me, God, to love him? Because my baseline is to not be nice to him. 
it's to join with everybody else mm-hmm. and and attacking him. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so just praying throughout the day. Um, and then I, I encourage the students to to listen. I, so what I try to do, because I don't want to be the youth pastor that's like, non-Christian music is bad and Christian music is good. Yes, and absolutely. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so what I, I, I try to tell them is think about how does this affect you, whether it's something you're watching or reading or listening to or whatever it is, how does it affect you? When you get done with that thing, are you more peaceful? Are you more calm? Are you feeling better about the world? Are you feeling better about yourself? Or when you're done, are you more anxious? Are you more worried that someone's out to get you? Or you thinking about things that you don't want to think about or you shouldn't be thinking about? And um, so just because something has a catchy tune, if it puts us in a worse mental state, it's not worth it. We don't want to just listen to the catchy tune. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes kids like music because they, they feel like it gets them or it, it's a way for me to convey a feeling I don't have words for. Um, and so let's talk to mom or dad about that. Let's talk about, okay, I like this song because it conveys this. What does that mean about me? What do I need to do? That's good. Um, yeah. And that's giving them a skill set they'll use forever, right? Yeah. Because we need that too. Yeah. Even as adults. Yep. Um, that's good. And so they they have a ton of options, yeah. but it's not it's not that they have too many options and they get decision fatigue yeah. about spiritual options. I would say they probably get decision fatigue from everything else, from making decisions, that they have so many decisions to make that that's what gets them more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, unfortunately, too much of their mindset is that reading the Bible is homework, like it's church homework. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, how do you have so much homework? Like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. So when I've tried to give them Bible study methods, a common response is like, more homework. And so we're still not there with the mindset. So the, the kids that I think are, are there with the mindset of, this isn't homework. This is fuel for my life. This is fuel for my soul. This is helping me to daily remind myself where my identity comes from, where my value comes from, where my worth comes from. This reminds me what my values are, reminds me what's important to me. Well, and that speaks to reality is they probably do have decision fatigue. It probably does feel like it's just another homework, study session, whatever. But that's where it gets to that fun part of we get to say, but look at your access. You have podcasts that can teach you through what you're reading. They can read the scripture and then teach you. So you can make it, it can be done through music, scripture memorization through music. I mean, that's where you get to say, don't, you don't necessarily have to make it feel like study time. Yeah. I'd say right now in my life, since I'm not doing any school work study time, yeah. I'm way more likely to sit down with my Bible and do a study. Yep. In high school, when everything else was a textbook, yep. I did not want to do that. Yep. So that's where, again, where we're trying to be positive. It's like, look at all your opportunities. But, yep. but that's good. So that's encouraging them in the habit of spiritual disciplines and how important it is. Yep. Okay, awesome. So I want to wrap up with how you are seeing life change through the students right now who are loving the one from Sunday to every day at their schools. Cause we've gotten to get, we've gotten to get a little bit of a picture of some of those. So yeah. So it, it's been awesome. Um, yeah. because so we have been, uh, so the, the big push for this is coming this Wednesday. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, March 11th. Okay. If you're li- listening to this after that, it was March 11th, but so we had, uh, two baptisms on February 23rd. The videos on Carney Efree's Facebook page in the middle of the I don't have enough to be a f- 
I don't have enough faith to be an atheist video. So you find that video in the middle of it. Um, there's baptisms, and there's two students that they came to faith through other students. Yeah. So um, one of them, uh, the student heard they're having a really bad day. They're struggling with some things in life and said, you need to come to youth group. Came to youth group, heard the gospel, said, this is what I want to do with my life. Surrendered her life to Jesus. And then we talked that same night about baptisms because that's what I need to do. And so then a month later, gets baptized. It's awesome. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it was through so an invitation. Awesome. It was yeah. through a friend who heard what was going on in her life, said the solution to your, your problem is Jesus, and invited them to hear about Jesus. And then uh, the, other, the other person, uh, friend through a dance team, yeah. on the dance team together, friend was going through some really difficult things, said, you need to come with me to this Christian concert, went to Gothenburg to they have this Living Out Loud festival, and at the concert, really connected and realized I need Jesus. Like this, he's the answer to everything that I have going on in my life that's wrong, and I need him. And uh, surrendered her life to Jesus that night. Been coming to youth group ever since. Been growing, connecting with other girls, finding community, finding a place where she can share what's difficult in life and have people encourage her for with her identity in Jesus. And then also said, I want to be baptized. I want people to know that, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And, and it, again, came through two people. It wasn't through me going into their school and saying, hey, you need to know about Jesus. Yeah. Um, it, it came through students, caring for students, saying, I, I know the answer to the problems you have because it's the answer yeah. to the problems I have, and it's Jesus. Yeah. And, and having a student say that is more powerful than me saying that. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you're a pastor. That's what you have to say. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Or you're an adult. You're an adult. You don't get it anymore. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yep. And so uh, that that was uh, super encouraging yeah. for me to see that happen. That's what our prayer is. That's what our hope is for the ministry, yeah. is that it would be students reaching students and helping them to grow in their faith. Yeah. And we get to facilitate that. We get to help them along in that, but yeah. having students reach other students. Um, and so we have seen, we see students invite other students to youth group all the time, that it's been super encouraging. So the middle school students have always been really good, but the high school students oh. this year have just been phenomenal. And so rarely is there nights where we don't have guests of someone um, cool. being invited in to hear uh, about Jesus. And then the thing that we're doing uh, March 11th, which will be tomorrow, from the time we're recording this, is this thing we're calling house parties. Hmm. And the idea is that all these students have connections, whether it's through band or through a sports team or through a class, people who don't know Jesus, that they may have invited to youth group before, and they said, ah, I'm just not going to come to that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, okay. But they'll come to their house. Sure. And mm-hmm. so what the vision has been is I want you to either partner with other students to throw a house party that your mom and dad know about and they're <laughs> yes. on board with. And you're inviting these people into your home to show them hospitality. Okay. That, that all of us long for a place to belong. We long for a place where people say, you matter and you have a place with us here. And so wanting to help them create that, both at youth group, but also in their homes. Um, whether it's for a neighbor kid or it's from somebody on their school in their, in their school or on some sports team. Um, and so we 
gone through this series called A Place to Belong where we've been trying to prepare them to go, okay, this is why community is important. This is what you can do to help form a community for other people. This is how we can become a better community. And then saying, okay, it's going to lead up to this house party initiative where you are going to invite either a friend over. You can do it on your own. Invite one friend over to your house. Say, mom and dad, I want to invite so-and-so over. I want them to see God's love through me every day. Like wow. that, that's the that's idea. So cool. And we're doing it on Wednesday nights because it's easier for us to give that night up from youth groups so they can do this. But my hope is, is that long-term they would do this on a Friday or a Saturday or a Sunday or sometime during the summertime that they would say, okay, I can be hospitable. I can open my house. I can invite them in. I can show them God's love through just giving them a place to be and, and inviting them over because um, sometimes people do that really well, but I think more and more, that's kind of a lost art yeah, uh, of having people in your home. Yeah. And so helping students to do this so that they know how to have this skill, they know how to do it, and can invite people in. And when you invite someone into your home, it, it's opening yourself up. Yeah. It's, at first, it makes them f- it's uncomfortable because it's, it's a, not a public space. It's not a shared space. Yeah, it's your space. Yeah. Um, but when you get past that, there's this connection where people go, man, like, this is, this is cool that you would let me into your space. Yeah. Um, especially if there's a family aspect of the students who are inviting them to dinner with their family. And um, maybe they're seeing Jesus through their other family members. They're seeing Jesus through the family prayer, through mom and dad engaging with this friend. And, and so we'll see what happens. I'm excited to hear the stories. Um, yeah, I am too. So uh, awesome. naturally, the, the girls have been much more excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, than the guys have been. But we've had groups of guys that are excited, and I know yeah. that there are um, people that are inviting individuals over to their homes. So yeah. hopefully we'll have some Sunday to Everyday Stories out of that yeah. that will come. So I'm going to listen for those and try and get them recorded. Yeah, those will be so fun to hear. And hear what, what they're going to yeah. do. Because I know we have a couple of groups of high school students that they've been trying basically to get their entire school to come to youth group. Wow. Um, hmm. And a lot of them have been like, yeah, I'm not going to come to your youth group. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll come to their house. And so they're going to throw a couple of house parties. And so hopefully they'll come over to their house and make some connections. And then the following week, we're going to have a friend night. Like friends are always welcome, but we try to have special nights where we go, okay, this is the focus. Yeah, I like And that. so hopefully maybe from that, they'll invite some of those people and say, hey, you hang out with us last week. Like come hang out with us again yeah, just at church. Absolutely, yeah. um, and maybe that will get the door a little bit wider for them to say, I can yeah. put my foot in there and see what's going on. Yeah. Well, and the connection you can make at home yep. versus, I mean, it kind of opens that door for come now to this thing with me. Oh, I yeah. love that. That is so cool. I also love that you're doing that because we just, oh, it's probably been a couple weeks now, but Kay Wolford and I talked about hospitality and yep. home and the power of using your home on mission. Yep. So it's it's so cool to think that we are empowering our students to do that right now at the yep. stage that they're at even. And then you start talking about if they start that practice and they see how cool it is, their dorms and what yep. they maybe are going to be able to do their yep. simple dorm room. And, yep. Oh, so, so awesome. Well, we'll be excited to hear yeah. for sure. Follow up on that. Okay, Jordan, thank you for sharing um, all of this with us. I do – I hope people heard – not only the reality of what our students and kids are facing, but then also just that encouragement of we have the opportunity to model and encourage. We model for them and then encourage them in everything they're doing and living life yeah. on mission. And I also hope people heard, 
we have a lot we do kind of a silly thing now of stereotypes especially with the whole millennial thing yeah so i hope that people heard uh, we grew up with so at passion conferences they said every time they're like do yeah. not count this generation out and yeah. i just feel like that's what we want to be at the stage saying don't count this next generation out because yep. they are on mission and for this sure. is what they're doing we get to open the doors for them to be doing it. So yeah. instead of being cynical and whatever, we get to throw open the doors, say, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. And they have an opportunity to, to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Yeah. So. Okay, there you go, guys. Don't count this generation out. Thanks, Jordan. We appreciate it. Yeah.